Hi, DFW Den Gospel Radio family. This is Dr. Sheila Pope, the producer and host of Conversations with Dr. Pope. I am bringing my syndicated show to prime time at 2 p.m. Monday through Sundays. I look forward to having many great conversations with you. Watch the show on the P.O.P.E. channel on Roku. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Conversation with Dr. Pope, or feel free to call us at 832-340-5521. Again, I look forward to many great conversations on the DFW DEN Gospel Radio family. So today I have been, I was under the weather. I've been uh, using, you know, my medical stuff, Robitussin, and all this stuff to get back on track. A lot of congestion, but I'm feeling better today. I was supposed to be out of town. My family went out of town because my uncle, um, Michael Moore, Michael Wayne Moore, he passed away. And I was supposed to go out of town. But with COVID, as many of you know, it's almost like if you go out, if you're in public and you start coughing and sneezing, people give you the evil eye. And I just did not want to deal with all of those looks. And more important, we, it seemed like when black people go to a funeral, somehow another thing spread and people get sick. And then it becomes, okay, who was the one that bought the COVID to the funeral? I do not have COVID-19. I have a cold, but I just didn't want that pressure. I didn't want, and it's a shame that you, you, you have to almost feel like you have to segregate yourself from family and friends at a time like this, but I made the call and told my mom and my sister I couldn't make the trip. And so I said, if I'm going to be at home, I may as well do the things that I would have done on my day anyway. And so that's what I'm doing now. So moving from that. Now, many of you may not know or haven't heard. On my show, I talk about a lot of different things. So today, for this segment, I'm going to talk about business. I always talk about business, but this time I'm going to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people think about, and it is the president. President Trump has banned the use of critical race theory in trainings, diversity trainings. Now, Dr. Pope, how does that equate to business? Well, it's a big business, diversity training, and I think a lot of people are under under the misnomer that African Americans are the ones who are providing these trainings. And I'm telling you, I don't think uh, everyone who was getting those trainings, because the president mentioned that he fired someone who was getting paid $350,000 to provide trainings to the military. And I'm thinking, I wonder, was that a minority-owned business? I doubt it because you don't have to be a minority to do diversity training. That's the first thing. Second thing, you have to get a contract to do those trainings with the government, the military, federal government. So a lot of the trainings that are out there um, may be about diversity, but it doesn't mean a minority or a woman-owned company received the funds to do the training. So I thought, hmm. Then I wondered, who was behind this? I've never, ever heard of a president banning a theory before. So I had to do a little research. I was doing my research. I came up with the name of Christopher F. 
I want to say R U F O. I hope I'm saying his name right. Rufo. Uh, Ruf, let me make sure I got this right. And I was sitting there today. I said, well, let me see who this guy is. Because, again, I had never heard of him before. Um, it says he's a filmmaker. Let me, let me Google it right quick. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm on the uh, social media, Facebook in particular, a lot of students, a lot of people love to say, oh, that's fake news, Dr. Pope, you didn't use a credible source. So I went to Newsweek first because, you know, you do, you need to use credible sources. And it says here, Donald Trump says critical race theory is like a cancer. And this is a September 24th issue. And he said that... Um, he was in Jacksonville, Florida, and he said he originally banned um, in the executive branch of the government in September. He, he expanded the ban on Tuesday to include U.S. government contractors and their employees. And he said he was tired of people feeling like, like they were Americans were feeling bad about themselves due to the training. And I'm thinking, well, who, who's facilitating the training where the people in the training feel worse about themselves? And then I start looking at some of the things that people said they were um, encountering in the trainings. So for our president to um, decide he was going to ban a theory, I, I, I thought, wow, this is huge. Um, he called it, he said, this hateful Marxist doctrine paints America as a wicked nation that seeks to divide everyone by race, rewrites American history, and teaches people to be ashamed of themselves and be ashamed of their country. And he says, uh, we had one getting 350000 a year teaching our military this stuff. He said, what happened? And he said, "What we said, you're fired, done, get out. And I thought, okay, I guarantee you, when he made these decisions of president, this is business now. Because, again, many of us, as small minority-owned business or many business owners, you would love to get a government contract. You would love to get um, an opportunity to train at that level and to make that kind of money during training. Well, what I figured out was happening. They were, many of the trainings contained or had an audience of all white males. And in that training, they were telling the all white males that, you know, they had to do things differently, think differently, think differently about other, about women, um, homosexual groups, uh, you know. And I thought, okay, now I kind of see where maybe they were a little uncomfortable. Um, and where he gets this thing about where people are feeling bad about themselves because I couldn't think of any trainings that I've been to about diversity that made me feel worse. It made me feel aware of maybe some things I was saying or doing maybe I could improve on, but not make me want to say let's ban and get the whole training out of here. So I had to do a little research to find out, okay, um, why is he calling this propaganda? What's happening? What's going on? 
And with all the race relations happening right now in the world today, um, I could see where he felt that he needed to get involved in what was being put out there in the environment for training. I know many people do want to hear that we have to start looking outside of our own racial groups in order to bridge gaps or to build business. But in business, we all have to look at. You can't just afford to do business with people that only look like you, who only think like you. You have to be open to hearing other people's ideology. If you plan to partner, to collaborate, to make money internationally, globally, you have to come out of your comfort zone. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm not going to look at this just on the basis of as from a black female perspective. Let me try to turn my lens around and look at it from a white male's perspective. And so when I did that, I said, well, let me see who challenged it. Because it, it had to have someone who would say, um, no, nah, I'm not really into this. So let me make sure I got this guy name right. Christopher F. Yeah, here we go. So I Googled Christopher F. Rufo, and I see that he's a filmmaker. My son said, well, where is he from, Mom? And I was like, well, does it matter? But, you know, he's from California. And on his, on his Twitter account, he is kind of credited with this, um, this movement to, to ban all of the critical race theory training. And I thought, wow, I wonder what he went through that made him say this is not important. But he showed, um, where I guess he did a, I'm not sure. He's looked at other documentaries, you know, American Lost. Uh, he does essays. But I wanted to know why was he so passionate about getting rid of the, the um, theory. And let me see here um, at Twitter. So, I, he said uh, the victory has signed, just signed a full executive order abolishing critical race theory from federal government, the military, and all federal contractors. Said the president has effectively declared war on CRT and extended the battlefield to our, all of our institutions. And what do you mean by that? Institution of higher ed. And so many people were thanking him for getting rid of it. And one of the things that caught my eye, he showed how there were several men in Saudi Arabia, white men, executives, who were given a training, a, a diversity training, in Saudi Arabia at a resort, uh, resort location. Um, I'm assuming it was very nice. And he put them all in these little black dots because he wanted to protect their, you know, who they were. And he said they were asked to, to write letters to apologize um, for their behavior, I guess, to other groups. Um, he said his mother is a retired attorney, and she just told me that if she could win an action under Title VII, the court will always uh, will award attorney fees. And again, he said he's reaching out to the conservative legal foundation to see if we could create a partnership. So I thought, 
Mm, okay, so now I see it's a little conservative movement behind this. White males are feeling uncomfortable with their training, and they're saying no more. I think right, lately white males have felt like they've been under attack with the Me Too movement from women, and now with this diversity training, I think they say they've had enough. Um, now, again, when I look at critical race theory, it's normally used a lot of times in scholarly writing. It's not normally used um, in a way to talk about a, a group or to, I mean, you really have to be a scholar to kind of even know this theory. And the reason I know it, because many dissertations that are out there have something, if it's written by African Americans dealing with our narratives or uh, looking at how we behave in a culture, Critical race theory is brought up, but I was so surprised to see that the business of diversity training has now been crashing majorly. And I'm telling you, I don't think they realize not many African-Americans are getting all that money for those trainings. They're now some of the same people that they this training was, I guess, geared to help white males see some, you know, see how they can improve, how they can lead their teams better, how they can include others. Now they've cut them off at the knee with the funding. I don't know how that's going to play over in some of these areas, but I can tell you this is going to mean a lot of job loss at universities. A lot of grants will not be funded. This is, this is people's livelihoods. Now, I know the president is focused on having, um, Improving the unemployment rate. Well, this is going to put people out of work. Now, I know you can do diversity training probably without critical race theory being involved. And so that's why I was like, uh, do you, I mean, yeah, take the theory out. But do you have to throw out this? They say throw the baby out with the wash. Can't we still have diversity training? And for those who are into HR and, and having these dialogues with you know, CEOs and people coming in right now, and they were really trying to say, hey, what can we do to improve race relations? A lot of people were using these trainings to help try to improve things. Well, it sounds like some people have been using it the wrong way. You know, I'm not sure about having people apologize for things that someone done that they didn't do. I'm not sure how those trainings were done, but maybe we should look at better ways to implement the training. I'm just saying that's a thought. Maybe President Trump has gone to the far extreme to ban a whole theory. I don't know. But I, I'm saying on business-wise, so if you guys out there who listen to me, my Dallas audience and everybody else who we talk about business, especially ladies, if you have a, a training uh, facility that you've been you know, cultivating training, you need to look at getting rid of the critical race theory because right now the president has banned it and you don't want to be out of compliance. You need to look at all your, your stuff that you, you know, worked on, put out your surveys, all that stuff and look at how you can turn it around because, you know, I know people are thinking, well, if he doesn't get reelected, then I don't have to change my, um, training. Well, that's not true. As long as it's, I guess, a law, I'm not sure how this works, but since he says as the president 
he's banning it and he's stopping people from being paid um, in all levels, then I'm going to say, hey, if you had not heard the news, if you are into HR training, diversity training, if that's your niche, you need to get your stuff, change it around. Because, hey, no one wants to lose their money because of this theory. Now, as an academic, I'm asking, too, where are the, where are the scholars in this? Did anyone besides Christopher F. Rufo, you know, and all of the conservative white males who, have a, who do not like this training? And, and let me, I read his Twitter feed. It is not just men who do not like diversity training. There are a lot of women. There are a lot of women of different races. There, I mean, I, I, I'm always surprised at the number of brown people outside exclusive black and Latino who do not like some of these trainings. I am all, I'm always in awe of the people that I see. Um, for example, I don't think, I think sometimes I forget that there are other people in the world who still see African-Americans in a different light. And that is why we have diversity training. So African-Americans and other groups can see each other differently. I, I keep thinking everybody, you know, now likes each everyone. And I'm sadly mistaken on that. I am sadly, sadly wrong on that. That no, there are still major points of contention that people have about hiring, feeling like they have to hire people based on race, gender, sexual orientation. You know, just because I feel like I'm moving forward does not mean the world is moving forward. And this is just one area now that I'm saying, hey, for all of you scholars out there, if you've used critical race theory or you plan to use critical race theory, this is the time now where you have to say, hmm, is this a good idea? This might not be a good idea because if the president has made it um, to be an issue worth banning, many, many other academic scholars will view it maybe from a negative light. After all, it's the president of the United States who's saying, we no longer want to be told about our wrongs. We don't want to hear about, you know, um, white people are bad, white males are bad. Uh, any other race is bad. We don't want to hear that in, in our trainings. And that's speaking volumes to me as a, as a teacher, as an educator. I don't think I've ever had a training. I've had to do some diversity trainings, but I never really just like targeted critical race theory as a background, as a foundation, uh, because I think you can train people about and with diversity on different things in different ways. I don't think scholars are limited to one type of training, but apparently this critical race theory is so powerful or so it is the way it's been utilized in training has turned so many people off or against it that um, the president felt the need to get involved. This is the first time I've ever heard of a president banning a theory. And one in particular that's being used for Latino and brown people. So 
It's been, you know, again, this is business though. If you are into training and you're used to that, I think everybody has to stop, pivot, and change. Now, you can spend your money fighting against this, but why? And if you've lost your job due to this or you don't, you're not prepared to, you know, people may not have read the news that this is coming down the pipeline. He just put it out in September, so it may be fairly new to some people, but this is important. Because there is a lot of money, millions of dollars that were being funneled into training teams and, and, and training workforce staff. So this is huge. So if you're in the training, training industry, check out your literature. See if you need to make some changes because critical race theory, CRT, is now on the hit list. All right. Now, let's go to another segment. Hi, DFW Den Gospel Radio family. This is Dr. Sheila Pope. Um, I'm the producer and host of Conversations with Dr. Pope, and I'm bringing my syndicated show to primetime at 2 p.m. Mondays through Sunday. I look forward to having many great conversations with you. Uh, Be sure and watch the show on the P.O.P.E. channel on Roku. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook um, at our handle, Conversation with things that um, are happening in your community that I can possibly share on the radio show. Uh, Again, I look forward to having great conversations on the DFW Dan Gospel Radio Station. I have been sick lately. And you know, I was, when I got sick, I was like, oh no. My son has just turned 22. Yes, my oldest is 22. I can't believe it. And we went out and I, I started to feel a little you know, like my nose starting to run a little bit, a little irritated. And and then I said, well, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. I'm one of those girls, I just keep, I push on through. And so I was pushing and pushing. And then I realized I was, we were singing on the way home from his thing. And um, we were enjoying ourselves in the car. And by the time I got home, and I don't know, a couple of hours later, man, the nose was really like, it wasn't happening. And I thought, let me go and start doing my lemon tea. Let me start getting myself together because I can't afford to go down. I don't know how many women I'm talking to today, but you know, in your household, if you're the one who's carrying the load, you can't go down. <laughs> I was telling my son and my daughter, my children, they were like, oh, mom, you know, go lay down. And I said, listen, if I, if the ship, if I stop, the ship stops. And I, I get a little weary of that all the time, that every time I think about something, I am the ship. And I'm like, sometimes the ship needs to take a dock. Well, my kids came home the other day and said, hey, next week we're all going to school um, full time. I'm like, whoa. I put my mask on and I said, no one's getting sick. I hurt and ran back to my room and quarantined. I do not have COVID. I had a regular, I have a regular cold, but you know, I went to that mode of mom, kids need to go to work. I need to have that first full week with no children. And then I looked at my schedule and I went from saying I'm publishing a book, working on co-writing a book to now I have another client for another project, another author. And I'm saying, you still have the show to do. Well, 
who can afford to be sick when your schedule is loaded? And then I realized something. I was watching Steve Furtick, and, and he was saying, you know, we're all trying to get back to normal, but what is normal? And I realized something in the midst of all of that. I needed to rest. I don't know how many women are telling themselves that they don't have time to rest because if they don't rest, you know, if they stop, life stops. And that's not true. Life keeps going, even if you're not well rested. And I'm encouraging everybody to put themselves first. I had to stop, lay down because my body just wasn't going to go. Um, and I, I had my hair fully curled and everything. And I was like, I can't even sleep pretty. Now, for those of you in an African-American culture, community, you know what I'm talking about. Well, you know, we, we don't mess up our curls. We, you know, we hold our head up and let it go. But we do not mess up our curls. Well, I was so sick that I said, forget it. I'm laying my hair back. Um, and I just got it done because I, I had planned to do an interview. And, and in that, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a little bit. I realized that I was like, man, them sacrifices. Because I was not sleeping as good as I probably should have been because I was trying to keep my curls, when you run into, you know, your body gets tight, your immune system goes down, and I'm on vitamin, my doctor had me taking vitamin D, so I'm doing all that stuff, but I just kind of got a little run down. And I realized, hey, ladies, hey, businessmen, let's not let ourselves go down. Because as I'm excited because it's like I'm getting a chance to do more speaking engagements. I just, um, there's so many things going on in the news. You can get overrun with them. Is turning on the lights global institute. The International Women Build Competence Group. I knew I was like, I couldn't get it right. I'm like, I don't want to mess it up. So let me say it one more time. I am going to be one of the keynote speakers at the... Um, community summit and it is a group called Turn on the Lights Global Institute by my good friend uh, Dr. Alana DeGrassi. She is the founder of the organization and her group is called International Women Build Confidence and I'm so excited about this. We had an interview on called a Fireside Chat and I was like oh my god I really enjoyed myself and I was pleased about it. And I said, you know what? We realized something. Dr. Alana and I, uh, the Grassi, we went to Capella together. And when I was in school getting my doctorate and she was working on hers, she was kind of like the older sister. You know, the one that was always two or three steps ahead. I don't have an older sister. And so, um, with Dr. DeGrassi, though, I met her at Capella, and she was like a role model. I can say there's not very many women, you know, that I just truly say, oh, you know, I've watched them grow. I've really watched her grow. And Dr. DeGrassi was ahead of the game. She was doing videos like this, and, well, she was making phone calls and having, we didn't, we didn't have Skype back then, but she called, you know, you call in. And she did a lot of stuff as a forerunner to what I'm doing today. And so we had a fireside chat, and it was I enjoyed myself. I laughed the whole time. And then she asked me, and I'm doing my form, she asked me to be one of the keynote speakers at the summit. And I was like, yes. 
And one of my silent things, my silent prayers has been, is that, you know, I tell people all the time, you have to be careful. You ask God to elevate you, to put you, to, to, to use you. And then when he uses you, then you get nervous because you're like, okay, God, I may not be ready for the way you using me. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, I'm ready. Use me. Many, many, many years ago, I think on one of my shows I talked about, I prayed the prayer, the prayer of Jabez, or Jabez, however you pronounce it. And with that came a lot of opportunities. It was like suddenly opportunities. And so years later, here I am now, I've been saying, okay, God, I'm ready to use my voice. And the moment I get an opportunity to do it with the radio show and the podcast, what do I do? I start whipping out. And because when you when you get sick, when you have a million things going, you're like, I don't want to talk to myself for an hour. I want to talk to real people. And so I realized, though, sometimes you have to do the podcast. Sometimes you have to do the radio show so more people can hear you. And then they ask to speak with you. Hey, this is the way things go. So anyway. I'm excited. I will be um, doing this show. And let me see here. It's in December. It's the virtual conference, December the 12th. So I will be a speaker for that. I'm excited, excited about it. When the fireside chat comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, we laughed. I've also, I was on a show with Tony Anderson. She is also my author. And, uh, I'm loving being a publisher, but let me tell you, point two, when you have to surrender, right? I've had to surrender because I've been tired and got sick, and then I had to realize I had a different type of surrender this month also. I had to surrender my, my time. I realized something very important. Because I'm a tech girl, I figure I can do everything myself, and about four years ago, a friend of mine he told me, he said, you know what, Dr. Pope, you're going to have to learn to delegate more. And I said, oh, well, as long as I'm able to do the small things, I'll do it and save money. Finally, mm -mm. I had to say this week, I've been publishing and I'm doing something new. I realized when publishing a paperback, you have to have the paperback dimensions for each entity. So Ingram Spark is one way. Uh, Kindle Direct Publishing is another. And when you use it in design, or you, one, one takes PDF, one doesn't. I was like, I'm spending a lot of time trying to figure all this out, and I don't have to. I don't have to. I want to know how it all works, and I want to do it all myself, but I don't have to. So this week I said, I'm going to reach out and outsource. Yes, for the first time, I said, let me try to outsource something. And I did. And I, I can't say I've had 100% success with it yet because I realized I thought I outsourced it and didn't, it didn't go anywhere. I didn't do the paperwork right, so I'm going to see how that works. But each time I try something different, it's like, okay, I learned something. One, you need to make sure you look at everything, every project you take on. And when you tell a client you're going to do it for this amount of money, make sure you have everything there. Because I made mistakes. Mm -hmm. I made a lot. 
And so some of the little bitty things cost me a lot in time. Now, I'm, I'm correcting it, though. But I'm saying to you, to my audience, that as, as women, as business people, women of integrity especially, it's important that we are very honest with our clients. Now, not to the fault when you tell them all how you do things, but I'm talking about when they ask, hey, what's taking so long? I had to tell a client the other day, and she took it very well. I said, you know what? When I received your book, I, we were going to publish it one way, and I didn't expect to have to do all this other stuff, but I did. And because you didn't have this, work with me. And you know what? She was so open, and she was like very accepting, and she said, oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't give you I didn't give it to you with everything there. So she's she's working with me as I make changes. And then um, this week I had a client that um, asked me to help her with her form her LL um, her nonprofit. One of the things I do, I help people form the LLCs, the limited liability corporation. I also help them with their nonprofits. And one of the things that I enjoy that because but I, when I'm helping them form their nonprofit, because, you know, they have to have the bylaws and answer all these questions for the IRS, it is so important that you teach your clients, like, why you are charging all this money. They want to know, well, why are you charging all this money? Because you're not only doing the paperwork, you're giving them the wisdom, the knowledge. And so a lot of people think, hey, if I have a five. If I have a nonprofit with the state like of Texas, I'm in Texas, that should be it. No, 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 no. You paid that $25 for the state of Texas and you did the, you know, the business thing, that was fine. But that is not an IRS designated 501c3. And I tell all of my clients, you 501c3 because that's so vital to you. Um, in your business. It's, it's important to the people who want to donate to your business. They don't want you to mislead them with, oh, I'm a charity, and you're you're a charity according to the state, but you're not one designated with, with the IRS. People want to give their money to people they trust and that present themselves in the correct way. So uh, I love my client. She was like, well, okay, Dr. Pope, can you make this happen for me pretty quick? And I was so glad she gave me the opportunity we, we took care of it very quickly, um, quickly in considering, you know, what we had to do. Um, but she was very pleased. She sounded very professional. And she was very happy that I, I made her my number one priority of that moment. And that's another thing. When you are tired and you're trying to do a lot of things, I'm telling you, it is so important that we stop, make our little to-do list. Before I came on here, I had my little list. Get get organized. I have uh, a big calendar over behind me. I have my planner. You know, now that I have a video, I can kind of show some stuff. This is my 2020 agenda. Well, I'm writing things down. And when she called and said she needed this thing done pretty quickly, I was like, okay, yeah, let me let me help you take care of it because I know she's out there. And when people have an opportunity, you know, again, you have to tell people the IRS takes time to designate these things. It takes some time a month for you to get your letter back. So, you know, I was telling my client, hey, make sure you tell people you did apply, you're waiting, so there's no misunderstandings, right? And so she did, and I, I have no problem. I think her thing will be fine. 
And so I was very happy to be able to do that. And I was like, yay, God used me to help another person in the nonprofit world. Listen, and the biggest thing that we talked about, forming a nonprofit does not mean you don't make a profit. I don't know who started that false rumor. Nonprofits don't make a profit. What? Cut that out. Yes, nonprofits make profit. It's a tax. It's a tax status. But everybody wants to make a profit. And I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say again too, and I'm gonna say it out. I say this all the time, I'm gonna say it one more time. For all of you people out here who want who are Christian based businesses, Christian based organizations, we need to stop thinking that all Christians want to do everything for free. Stop. We have families. We have bills just like everybody else. And you can't pray a bill away. You have to pay it on the day it's due. So we need people to have a better understanding in Christian-based organizations that we need our money too. So I think it's so important that nonprofits, especially Christian-based nonprofits, need to stop thinking that everybody's going to come to do business with you on a faith-based principle and no money. We all need money. Even Jesus had a treasure. Yeah, that's right. I know Judas before he... Y'all know Judas was a treasure? Judas kept an eye on the money. <laughs> he stabbed him in the back, but he kept an eye on the money, okay? So I'm just saying to you, we want to make sure that as nonprofits, we do our 501c3, take care of that. Make sure you have your bylaws because you live and die by your bylaws. Make sure you, you know, you do and go by and you are guided by those bylaws and make sure whatever you tell the IRS on that application that you're doing it. That is vital. All right. So I got a chance to do that and I was so excited. So this month I was worried. I started off the month going, God, I don't know how you're going to meet these. And I'm telling you, out of the blue, he was just bringing in different clients, doing different things. And I'm so glad I'm versatile. Um, and able to do different things. So very pleased about how God was blessing me. But I also realized I was not taking care of myself. Well, I did better. Because back in the day, when I would have gotten a start, feeling like I was getting a call, I would have kept moving. But with COVID and everything else, I knew, stop, take care of it. Because I, I hate to say it. I don't even want to be in public sneezing. I don't want to be in public coughing. Because people just give you that look like... They turn all the way around. They do a 360. And then they look at you like, is that you coughing? Do, do, do you, like, you don't hear yourself. You almost have to, I mean, you know, it's like you, you put your hand over your mask, over your mouth. <laughs> you know, and then you look around like, oh, my God, I hope they didn't see me coughing. It's, it's, we're that scared nowadays. So I was, I was pleased that I slowed my roll, got my medicine on immediately. I was able to, I'm feeling much better today. And then I had to make some tough choices. Like I said, I had to say, okay, one client came in. I did that. I have another client I'm working with. And I was happy to get a good report. One of my clients, I did her um, copyright. All of you who say you have books, if you don't have them copyrighted, you must, you must, you must, you must. Matter of fact, I got to do some update on my own application. Um, I have a blog called Dr. Post Blog. And when you do those applications, you know, you claim some photos, you say you don't do some. 
I got to go back and make sure I got all that stuff right. Because in, in all the years I've had my blog, I got videos, I got pictures, I got a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm going to just say, I claim it all. Just claim it all. And so I'm going to fix that and send it back. Because one thing, if you do have a copyright application, if something's wrong, they will contact you via your email. So always keep your eye on your emails. Um, and you'll and, and that's important too. But my other client, she got her copyright. She feel pretty good. So her book is done. It's out there on the shelf. She got a copyright now. And next, we're going to take it to the next level. And speaking of that, my podcast, I moved from SoundCloud. Well, I'm still there. But I'm not there now as an unlimited anymore. And this is not a bash on SoundCloud. But I don't know if you guys, are, if, you know, if you're in the podcast industry, you realize there's so many podcast forums out here. Well, SoundCloud, I don't like the way they do um, customer relations. There's a lot of emailing back and forth, back and forth. I don't like all that. I'm still old school. I like tech. But I think that this should be some time when you say, can I just call you and talk to somebody? Well, you don't get that with SoundCloud. But nevertheless, we found out, I think, have the problem figured out. But I was paying for two different accounts. Didn't realize it. And I wasn't able to keep uploading my post. And because I've been doing the radio show, now I'm doing more and a longer post. Um, so I, I ran out of space. I paid for the unlimited. Long story short, because of that, and I hate to say this, but because sometimes it takes me to get mad about my money, I got two things we don't play with with Dr. Pope, her money and her children. Okay, three. God, money, and children. Yeah, I got, I got issues in those departments. But I was saying, I said, well, you know what? I need to go ahead and try something new. And so I went over and I was going to Spotify and then I saw Anchor and I said, oh my God, I like the Anchor format. So I did my first podcast there and oh my God, I got a person that said they wanted to even sponsor me. And I was like, what? Yay. So I'm trying Anchor. And what I like about Anchor, they've been putting my podcast everywhere. So now I'm going to take my old stuff down, move it over to Anchor. Um, I'm doing the new show today. I'm trying to record on Anchor and doing this at the same time. We're going to see how it all comes out. But I was very, very pleased with um, the platform. Hi, DFW Den Gospel Radio family. This is Dr. Sheila Pope. Um, I'm the producer and host of Conversations with Dr. Pope, and I'm bringing my syndicated show to prime time at 2 p.m. Mondays through Sunday. I look forward to having many great conversations with you. Uh, be sure and watch the show on the P.O.P.E. channel on Roku. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook um, at our handle conversation with things that um, are happening in your community that I can possibly share on the radio show. Uh, again, I look forward to having great conversations on the DFW Den Gospel Radio Station. Hi. All right. I am so glad you joined me for this last segment. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is that I was so excited. This month, I also took on a new adventure. I launched for the first time my online classes. Yes, I teach online um, for Texas Southern University. I've taught online at ACC 
but I've never taught online for my own classes. And so um, in July, I launched my my Dr. Pope's STEM and Liberal Arts Academy. I launched online classes for kids 9 to 18 years old. I launched that in July. So I was very excited. I had some good um, good feedback, good students, good ratings from that. Now I've launched the adult portion <clears throat> of the school. And let me clarify, too. I, I'm still congested. I'm still dealing with my cold, so you may hear it in my voice. But I'm so excited because... Um, for the first time, and this is leading up to something much bigger for me this year. I'm still working on it, not talking about it yet. But I launched my online EIN class where if you wanted to complete your EIN, your employer identification number application, if you wanted to complete it online with me, with me giving you video instruction, telling you why you need your EIN and all that good stuff, I created a class in my app. Right now it's in my app, but next month it's going to be on Pope's Resource Center, LLC.com. But right now, if you are a member of the Boss Ladies Professional Network, I Mighty Network, you have to pay $9.99 for a one-time fee for the year. When you're a member of the app, you get a chance to have um, some access to online classes. So one of my online classes was that I created was how to do the EIN number. The second one I'm doing is how to get your business certified, certified as a Metro small business enterprise. So I'm trying to build that course. I go with you step by step by step to complete all the paperwork so you can get your business certified. Now I also offer these same classes live online via Zoom. Um, and I was a little disappointed because I didn't have anyone sign up. I did have one person ask me online, could someone get an EIN number for free on the IRS website? And I said, yes. And I said, yes, because it's true. Now, the reason I was kind of taken aback by that, because at first I, I was offended. And then my son, he said, mom. You know, it's all in how you answer the question. And I thought, yeah, let me answer this honestly because you can go to the website and do the class, do the application for free. But there are many people who make mistakes. They get kicked out the system. They get a code and they don't know what happened. And so by me, by me charging such a low rate, I allow you, I help you. And I think the most of the class was, was $30, $39.99. And that's, again, you having me walk you through the whole process step by step. But, of course, it doesn't take that long. You can sit down and do the class in one sitting and under 30 minutes. But at first I was a little upset. And I said, because there's almost every service that you get, yeah, you can do it yourself. But I had to realize something. Each time I do something, I have to be open to to people asking questions, I have to be open to explaining why I'm doing something, and I have to keep my integrity. And so it is always best you just tell the truth, answer the question as best you can, and then you move forward and not have a lot of uh, mm, animosity or whatnot because, you know, once I answered his question, he gave me a little like on Facebook, but I was really like, oh, okay, now 
again, that's just me being very honest and transparent with you. I think whenever you step out to do something, to launch your own program, to launch something, you have to be prepared for someone asking you questions maybe you're uncomfortable with, maybe you feel a little slighted, maybe you're thinking something negative. But I love that my son was able to hear me think out loud and you know, immediately called me and said, hey, there's nothing wrong with uh, someone asking you that question. But if they keep on you know, trying to antagonize you with it, then, you know, then let someone else answer that because you've already said your part. And so I want to encourage you guys, you know, when you're trying to start something new, be prepared. I was also a little disappointed because in my mind, I had the classes launched to go live, um, for my live classes from September the 16th through the 19th. And I thought, well, that should be ample of time. And I was still, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what's a good time to offer a live class, what's a good time. So I didn't have any takers, but the one class I was, I'm looking at doing, and I didn't even have to like send advertise, um, was that a teacher contacted me to help her with her canvas because I'm getting ready to do classes for teachers as well. And so I felt like God was letting me know I'm on the right track with the classes. I just need to continue to do what I'm doing. Don't have a whole lot of, ooh, you're going to make millions, you know, in your eye, in, in your mind. You go in with the, with the uh, optimism saying, I'm going to do this. <clears throat> and we'll see what happens. And I was very proud of myself because it took a lot to make the videos, to get it all out there, to get the event on Eventbrite, to do all the work I had to do. And I was like, I need to, I need to celebrate this moment. So I did. I celebrated the moment of me being able to say I have the class actually on now on the app. And once the online class is built, you can always offer it again and again and again. You know, that is the cool thing. Once you have all your stuff built, you can always re relaunch it, redo it. Um, and so that I was really proud of myself for that. So if you're getting ready to do something that's a little bit far out there, you know, for you, out your comfort zone, just remember, everyone may not embrace you when you get ready to do what you're doing. But you keep chugging along, keep your head up, and stay focused on the goal. And that small goal Small seed is the bigger part. It's a smaller part of a bigger picture. And so maybe by December, I'll be able to say I have the other project launched. And um, I'm super excited about that. And also, I also wanted to share when you are launching something and, you know, your expectations. I think it's wrong to start something and don't have any expectations. I'm always going to be expecting. I, I, I believe that if God give you a plan, a vision for something, that he's going to bring it to pass. Now, it may not be on your timetable. That's the part I don't like about faith. I don't like having to wait it out. I like instantaneous. And, you know, if you if you ever walked in any area of your life on faith, you know it just doesn't happen that easily. And I think sometimes, too, even getting your picture of what you want to do. I had to sit down, and even though I was designing the class, I had to really sit down and go, okay, is this what you want to put out there? Is this the quality? And I realized I loved it on the app. And now, but that limit limited me to just that group. Now I have to build outside of that group so everyone else can have access. 
I love the fact that I was able to use Eventbrite. I think that helped me organize the live feeds. I stretched myself. Um, I felt I chose good times, but what I'm realizing, I'm sure many of you have realized too, when you are launching something online, you have to look at the timelines. I mean, I'm in Central Standard Time. Some people like to do things Eastern, Pacific. You know, my son and I, I'm always asking, okay, what's two hours up ahead? What's two hours behind? You have to know because you're thinking in your time zone when you're creating the class, but someone may not be able to take it at 10 a.m. Central Time. And your job is to make that class available for anyone around the world to take that class. So that's another thing that you have to take into consideration when you're um, creating your online programs. Because look at the time. So this is not my first attempt at doing the online program years ago. Maybe 10 or more years ago, um, I was working with another group and I was trying to partner with them to do some live interactive classes and and it didn't work out. I was creating classes and it didn't work out. This time, I it, it the plan was executed. I did what I said I was going to do. And now that I have more things here at, in my home studio, I'm going to be able to execute even more classes and more things and launch them. I must admit, I was worried about security because you, you realize that there's so many people who will take your class and try to steal? You know, you can't you, you can't counter everything that someone's going to do, but you can try. You know, you can try to protect it as best you can. So that's my other area I'm going to work on. But I have another app. I'm going to do all the launching and everything at one time when I get enough classes built out because this takes a little time. You just don't build all of your online program overnight. And because I'm doing it by myself, I, you know, I really have to stay focused. And that's why I'm so glad my kids are going to be out of the house all next week. I get a chance to do what I want to do when it comes to recording and not having so many interruptions. I can't wait for that to happen. Um, so, again, if you are believing um, God for your program, be it online or whatnot, you know, stay steadfast, stay focused. And. Constantly work on your, your goal. With everything that's happening in my life, I'm realizing I have more good than bad. Um, and I think some of the things I don't talk about enough is that I was I had a, another segment of, of show I like to watch, and then I realized it wasn't appropriate for my audience, not for gospel radio audience. And I, you know, I get so much spiritual food from so many different shows and podcasts. My son said, well, just talk about some of the gospel shows that you watch and some of the things that you see. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, let, let me talk about some of those things because there are so many good Christian shows, so, so say movies. But what I've been filling up on is uh, audio. I listen to a lot of YouTube videos in my car. And some of the... I think some of the best ones I've been listening to lately, I mentioned this podcast once before, the Dear Wifey podcast. I'm loving that. I think if you are trying to become married or you want to become married, I think God always kind of gives you like a some training. He tells you what you need to work on. I think sometimes we spend so much energy on trying to say our mate need to do this, that, and the other. I've learned now I, I need to get myself together. I need to be ready 
Because when that person comes, I need to be at my best. And so I like that Dear Wifey podcast because it's Christian-based. Um, and this week, when I was listening to the podcast, usually the um, the host, he usually kind of talks about, you know, other guests and they share things. But on the last one, he talked about himself. And he talked about <clears throat> when he was cheating. I was, I didn't, I was caught off guard. I was like, what did he say he cheated? And, you know, it was so refreshing to hear him be so honest about it. He said he had cheated not once. And again, the podcast is called Dear Future Wifey Podcast. He not only cheated, I think he said he cheated more than once. But what I thought was moving is that he talked about how he and his wife, ex-wife now, how they went through counseling. He went to some Christian groups, sat and really had a chance to really get his heart right about what he was doing. And he talked about how men feel after the actual cheating. Now, for some people, you might think, well, I'm one. You say, oh, dude, you can't bother a man if he constantly cheats. And he said, yeah, you do feel guilt. You do feel shame. Of course, it doesn't stop him from cheating. But he said once he realized and did some therapy and counseling and he did a men's group, he really realized that he needed to change. And more important, he made the changes. Now, it didn't help him save his marriage, but I love the fact that he says, okay, I now, I know why I cheated. I know what I need to do to not do that part again. And so I thought that was, you know, really good. I think for any women who deal with, who have dealt with, men cheating or heartbreak or um or you just feel like men don't have conscience i think the podcast is really good for seeing another view of how men view love i think that's vital if you're looking to get married especially at my age at 51 you know the way we interview each other now for marriage is different from when i dated at 20 or 30 you you at 30 you have more time you think okay you're a little bit more optimistic at 51 you know i kind of know what i'm not going to deal with what i am going to tolerate i have a better sense of self so i think that this podcast is really really good to hear black men share not just black men but mainly the guest the host is black but to hear men and women talk about how they see love and of course i'm loving the new episodes of black love Oh, I'm loving it. Um, that's been good. But I have been enjoying T.D. Jakes's, uh, I want to say it's mobile homes or mobile houses. Let me see what it's called. Model homes. Yeah. T.D. Jakes model homes. Oh, my goodness. Now, this series is, is old. It's eight months ago. But he's advertising it again. And it's coming on uh, TBN. And... I was listening to the model homes. I think sometimes you need to hear a message twice. One of the things I liked about the model homes series, hearing it this time, is that I like how he and Sarita were doing their little dance together. I like how he's talking about, you know, being married and, and being Christians, it's hard work. And building a family and then understanding that you need people in your life who are going to have your back. I think when you do a business, you know, a lot of times we say we want a collaborator, a partnership. I've never really said I wanted a partnership in my business for other people. I've said I want a man 
a husband that understands and that wants to partner with me while I build. Now, that doesn't mean I want him in the business as a partner, but I'm saying I want him to partner and have my back, have understand that I am an entrepreneur, understand that, you know, things that are important to me in the business. And I think when I was listening to Model Homes this time, I really caught this time how important it is to be able to communicate with your partner the things you want, how to communicate and realize that you have to do more even in your family to to demonstrate the model home is saying well i love he said when you marry someone you bring in the model of the family that you know so in my home my mother was the, the dominant voice now my i saw my mother very young be abused physically abused uh and that that told me a lot and in that model seeing her once she left my dad, seeing how she came up and used all her energy to, you know, be very successful, had her have a house built up from the ground up to be successful. I, I saw that as the strong black woman. And over the years I modeled that. But I also realized that in her modeling that I realized that she didn't have well she, she got married once before, once after that. And um, then she got a divorce, but it she's been pretty much by herself most of the time. <clears throat> and and so in that modeling, I've seen her be single and strong. And I realized if you want to see marriage and healthy relationships, if you hadn't seen that model, it's hard to build that and nurture that and show it to your children. So I think that's so important. When, when I realized this time around when I was watching the show, that model part, when we're missing the modeling, it's hard. It's hard to build a business when you don't have a model of that. There are more black women opening companies and starting businesses, but we're not really sharing our experiences. Not very transparent, we're not. And, and, and I'm trying to change that with my boss ladies group. When you can see someone showing you a picture of how to build a business, walk it through when it's up and when it's down, how to go through that. I think that's vital. And, you know, when I listen to T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes is an awesome preacher for entrepreneurship. He's an awesome man that shows you how to have, but I got a chance to watch him. I don't know if y'all saw it on, on OWN. It's called Dads. Um, it's him, Kurt Franklin, Anthony Hamilton, and some other um african-american dads that are on the show and it is so refreshing to see td jakes outside the pulpit but talking about you know what does it take to be a dad um in this day and age and see him in the jersey see all his kids um and how he interacts outside of the pulpit so i think you know that's been very very vital for me this week and also another show that I'm enjoying. Uh, let me see here. Because I watch TV every morning. I'm enjoying Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick is, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying his show because he's really been dealing with and, and talking about normalcy. What's normal now? And how are our lives going to be after COVID? And I think I'm one of those people who've been guilty of 
I used to say, oh, I'm waiting for us, you know, for the things to get back to normal. And I think I finally stopped saying that now. And I'm living now like this is the normal. And I think that I, his messages have been very important in that aspect because he challenges us to think about <clears throat> why are we trying to go back to something that may not have always been that good to us. I think sometimes we get caught up on, oh, you know, that was so nice before COVID. I remember, and I love going to uh, business meetings and I had to realize something. I actually can attend more business meetings now through Zoom than I could in person. And I can be more selective in the ones that I really want to go to and attend because I have the convenience of Zoom. Before, I was running all over town trying to get to one place from the other and, and missing out on things. And now it's like, oh, no. So I hope that when people start making their meetings and, and everything, I hope they can, they still continue to use Zoom. I like Zoom as the new normal. Um, now, I do admit, I think people can you can overdo your meetings, too, on Zoom. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the things I like about that also is that when I don't feel like doing something, I just, you know, don't have to, I don't have to do the Zoom. No one's looking for me to be there. I love that. Um, also, I think one of the things I like about the Stephen Furtick shows in the morning, I watch him about 4.30 in the morning. I like the fact that he's talking more and more about anxiety. I think no one, well, we've been talking about it now more, but I think the word anxiety has become very normalized now. I think people are not, especially business people, many of us are wondering every day, how are we going to maintain our businesses? I know when my money got low again, I started asking God, okay, what are we doing? What's the plan? And he came through with another client. And it was great. And I said, okay. And then he had another opportunity to open his doors. And I had to say, I have to keep trusting you even in doing this time. Faith is not based on what I see. What I what I know is based on the things I cannot see, on the things I cannot control. That's the essence of faith. I know I have to do my part now. Like I said, I'm launching classes online. I'm doing things that I hear him tell me in my spirit. I'm following through on things that I know are opportunities. I'm not letting anything go by me. Now, there are some things I am saying no to. Anything that someone wants me to do and put a lot of time in for free, yeah, I'm turning that down. But there are opportunities that are out there now that I have to say, wait, can I do this? Can I do this well? Can I keep my integrity? All that's important. And I think watching and listening to the the word every morning has really well I've been doing it for a long time but I think I'm really it's routine now it's part of my daily day in day out thing um at 4 30 I'm normally up I'm listening to Stephen Furtick and then I go to Christine Kane and then I go from Christine Kane to sometime I watch um Joyce Myers sometime I watch Andrew Walmack um, I, I, I float around sometimes on those two, and then I stop. Oh, and uh, I forgot Dr. David. I forgot his name, but I watch him sometimes. And then I will also 
you know, I listen to a lot of good spiritual music. Um, Hillsong. Kirk Franklin. It just depends on my mood. But I'm telling you, not only watching, and I mentioned in my other segment, you know, watching Prime, uh, Amazon Prime and all that, I am spending a large amount of time feeding my mind because I've learned if my mind, because there's a fine line between being very intelligent and crazy. Mm -hmm. People cross over all the time. There's a fine line between an out-of-the-box thinker and a Kanye West. Mm -hmm. You can you can dibble that, but right on the other side and not be aware of it. So I think, you know, as we, as I look at what's good, what's entertaining. Yeah, I love a lot of the shows that, you know, I can't always talk about on Christian TV, a Christian uh, radio station, but the things that I think that have helped shape me here lately and making sure that I also want to do is presenting that model, that that business woman being a model for my kids. Uh, I'm, I'm right now building and being, a, like showing others how to be single, modeling how to be single and content in the state I'm in and learning and showing others how to model being an entrepreneur. How do you keep things going when you can't see your way? If you don't have spiritual food and guidance every day, I don't know how people are doing it. I mean, I hear it. I, I know people have other routines. It's not always getting the word. I know that. But I'm saying for me, that has been critical. Because I think the closer you are to hearing his word, the keener your ears are and your eyes are, and you get in a, a rhythm where you're not letting, when you, when you feel like you need to do something, for example, you may say, call and check on someone. I'm following through on those things. And sometimes when you call and check in on that person, then you find out there was an opportunity that you didn't even know. But the, the thing was, would I be obedient to call and check on that person? Or, you know, keeping your to-do list and saying, let me go down the to-do list. Let me do what I think I'm supposed to do this day. It's a constant juggling act. And sometimes, you know, I may think, well, I need to do 20 things. And if I hear the right sermon, the right word, I'll realize, hey, calm down. Stephen Furtick, like that anxiety. Hey, calm down. You're trying to control some things. When when you don't have to do 20 things in a day to say you're productive. Sometimes all you need to do is two. Sit down and wait for more instructions. And I don't think that's a popular way of life, but I think it's very. It's what you, if you listen to a lot of successful. Oh, I'm loving uh, Brian Houston's interviews. He has a Brian Houston TV. He interviewed uh, Bruce Wilkerson, and uh, is that right? Well, he he wrote the Purpose Driven Life, and he talked about for the first time his son that I've heard about his son committing suicide, and he talked about how producing that book, writing that book, how long it took him to write the book. I don't think people realize what went into him putting that book out. And then he said all the the, the 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 fame or the notoriety and the money. The money, he knew how to make it and make the money work because he was already doing that before he got became rich. But he said the notoriety was something else that he had to work on. 
And I think sometimes as I do these podcasts, this radio show, my television show, I realize and I say, okay, God, what am I supposed to be doing with this platform? I don't want to mess up what you call me to do. I want to get the right words out to the right people. Um, I'm not a holy roly, you know, I'm human. I have a lot of flaws and frailties and I make a lot of mistakes. I want to be transparent, but also how do I model this? How do I model this and uh, be able to do this day in and day out? And I think it takes a lot of spiritual food, takes a lot of crucifying my flesh, and it takes a lot of just really down home, trusting God and walking by faith. And so today when I was listening to what I had planned for my other segment, I was like, "Mm, that's not the one I want to put out there for the other segment. And, and you know, when you have to ask yourself that and say, "Mm, that's not the one, we have to make adjustments. And so even my son, my oldest son said, mom, I don't know if that's the one you want to put out there. And I thought, yeah, let me, let me do a new show. And it was worth it to do a new show because this platform is not meant just for me to sit here and just rattle on. It's someone that each time someone turns this thing on, it's a message meant for them. And just like when I listen to Stephen Furtick and Joyce Myers and T.D. Jakes and all these other powerful people I listen to and Christine Kane, when I turn them on, it's I get food from that. And so it is very important that I remember someone else is getting food from what I'm saying on my platform. So I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be Something worth them tuning in for. So, I think that is the way I want to end today's segment. I want to end it on that, you know, I'm still trying to end on a catchphrase. I haven't figured it out yet. But for right now, I just want to end saying, you know, I I, I love uh, oh, the uh, Hillsong Oasis. You know, I am I'm walking where feet may fail. And and that right there, that song changed my life. Because I'm telling you, the moment I said, told God I was going to step out here and do this thing, I didn't see any of this stuff, any of it. So I'm out here. I'm out where feet may fail, but I know I'm not walking on my own. I have a lot of help from, unseen, from God and a lot of other unseen supporters and um, unseen people who are working and giving me favor on on my behalf. So I just want to thank you guys for tuning in today, and I hope that you have a blessed day and a blessed week. All right, and thank you. Radio show and podcast are hosted, written, researched, edited, and produced by Dr. Sheila Pope. This show and its contents are copyrighted.